What up, what up, what up everyone? Welcome to episode 181, you heard that right, episode 181 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. It would mean the world to me if you go rate, review, punch down on that subscribe button right on your Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen to Combo's Court. Appreciate everyone who listens to Combo's Court across the globe. Today's show, Dave Do. Four of the Athletic joins in. A great conversation with Dave. Really enjoyed recording this one, and I can't wait for you to hear it. You can find Dave on Instagram and Twitter at DaveDo4NBA. You can find me on Instagram at 12Combo. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Dave DeFore of The Athletic, welcome to Combo's Court, man. How you feeling? A lot of podcasts today, but hope everything's well, man. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, obviously things could be better, um, but it's hard to complain, uh, you know, when you're, when you're home and you're safe and got a job and, you know, so things are good with me. How about you? Everything? I'm, do- I'm okay? doing well. I'm doing well working on the pod. Uh, first and foremost and most important, the family is good. My son turns one tomorrow as of this recording. So everything's good, Dave. Everything's good, man. Good. Yeah. Yeah, Dave, we could start this podcast in so many ways from your professional wrestling career, <laughs> analytics, you coaching. But uh, let's start on coaching. From what I'm hearing, you coach in Germany, right? Yeah, I coached at a small club in Aachen. Okay. Um, yeah, it was a good time. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Got a chance to, to really affect the way the club operated as far as development went because uh i mean you played in europe so so you know like right um, player development is very team oriented right and and at a young age which is great because you know you learn how to play with other people and it is a team sport but you know the individual skill work you know when i was when i got there i mean 2012 when i started working over there um it, it was a little bit behind what I was, what I was used to dealing with. So, yes. you know, I yeah. helped imp- implement a program. And again, I mean, it's a small club, but uh, I really enjoyed it. I had a good time and um, got to be really close with, with a lot of the guys that I coached and, and, you know, was out there playing with them all the time. So, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I was actually talking to one of, one of my former players uh, this morning. Like we were, you know, just texting back and forth. So, um, yeah, it was great. What's fascinating about Germany, actually, just how many leagues they have there. So there must be a lot of people playing basketball because everybody knows about the BBL or everybody who's familiar with international mm-hmm. basketball knows about the BBL. But you have Pro A, Pro B, and then all those regionale leagues, you know. Which, exactly. I was yeah, in which, a Christ, Christliga. Okay. What, yeah, what was so that? Like state league, essentially. Okay. Uh, okay. So I, I'm out, I was out near Belgium and the Netherlands. And so, yeah, it was, I mean, it was an interesting experience, man. And, uh, you know, dealing with. Rele- relegation although we never got relegated we we only earned promotions but you okay know, even at that level like it's uh little can be stressful definitely definitely yeah. i mean if, if you're top of the league you move up if you're bottom of the league you move down yep. if you're in the middle you don't know where you're going it, europe is crazy man europe is crazy. yeah it's fun man like i, I kind of wish that we had that going on here but you know relegated to the d-league 
the God, G League? I mean, there's just too much big business, and, and right. obviously, like American sports just aren't built for that. Right. But it would really be interesting if if there was a G League NBA relegation agreement. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Dave, I've had Mo and Seth on my podcast. I know. Uh, you know, it's funny because Seth told me uh, that he had done your podcast, and I was like, "Huh, that's funny." I'm a way better podcaster than you are. I can't believe, <laughs> can't believe I didn't get asked. <laughs> yeah, but you know, two great conversations with both of them. So I wanted to ask you, uh, how much do you, how much do you dive into analytics when coming to conclusions about the game of basketball? So you know, it's funny. Uh, I like to think I've got a good mix, and I I obviously watch a ton, and I will form opinions based on what I've seen. If if things seem weird. Or, or way out of, out of whack, I will go and look at the numbers for particular things. Not that I don't look at numbers often, because I certainly do. I, I don't know how anyone covers the NBA or talks about the NBA and isn't using analytics right. in some form or fashion. 100%. Um, but I'm, clear, I'm very much an eye test first, you know, trust but verify type of guy. So eye test, look at numbers, and then, you know, if something, if the numbers and my eye test don't match up, then I go back and I look at the film again and I try to see what the numbers are, are what story are the numbers giving me? Where can I see how that shows up, you know, in an actual game? Yeah, I'm assuming that you look at basketball a lot differently, though, after recording all those pods with Seth and Mo. Oh, certainly. I mean, you know, look, when you've got those kind of resources there where you have this guy, right. you know, Seth, Seth played college basketball, so he knows the game. He's an analytics guy, literally, you know, just left the Milwaukee Bucks. Mo, his resume is, is pretty incredible. Um, I lean on both of those guys. I mean, Mo and I have been podcasting for years, and Seth and I have been, been buddies for a long time. I lean on those guys quite a bit, and it's, it's been really nice on that show because it's a good mix. Like, Seth is, is analytics forward, but yeah. knows how to watch tape. Mo is clearly tape forward, but knows how to look at the analytics. And, you know, there are times where those don't, don't, don't jive with each other and right. we get, we get constructive disagreement. Uh, and I sit right in the middle of those two. It's a very nice place to be because I can always seem right. Yeah. I mean, which is not true at all. I, I come across <laughs> as wrong quite a bit. Actually in the show that just dropped this morning, uh, I was saying, you know, my gut tells me that the defenses are going to be a step slow. And immediately Seth goes, well, you know, the data tells us the opposite. I'm like, son of a. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Having... It's fine. Yeah. I love it's having, anal I, I love having analytic guys on my pod, even though I'm not one of them. I mean, I obviously mm -hmm. look at numbers, but I wouldn't consider myself. I'm, you know, I'm a player first. Well, Seth was a player too. So you could be an analyst. Yeah. He guy. knows what's up, man. Yeah. And a player. But I just know that when I'm talking to a guy, who's an analytic guy, he's actually done his research and he's done his due diligence and he puts work into it, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, he watches as much basketball as anybody. Right. As much as anybody. And, I mean, he is one of the more thoughtful basketball analysts, I think, that Definitely. are out there. And, I mean, again, Mo too. Yeah. I'm lucky to be able to work with both of those guys. I, I you know, I could not respect them anymore. Um, you know, and like them personally, which also helps, but, uh, you know, coming at it from different angles, I think is important. You know, you want a diverse skill set 
when you are trying to f- come to not the truth because it's basketball and basketball's art, right? And so a lot of that is open to interpretation, but we want to come as close to the truth as we can when we're presenting the, you know, our cases. And ultimately our group winds up somewhere or winds up having a, a discussion that, you know, hopefully helps the discourse around whatever it is that we're talking about. So like maybe not shaping it, but adding context to it or, or maybe shaping it, you know, depending on what the conversation is, uh, which we, we love to clear up misconceptions. Yeah. Uh, Seth, Seth had a great PSA on this week's show. Let's talk about morning. Yeah. Talking about how, how, um, you know, we're all ramping back up. Let's be careful how we use stats. And then, you know, cause I told him, I was like, I love when stats tell me I'm right. Yeah. Oh, but too, it's something too. we all got to avoid, right? Like we all have to avoid that, you know, confirmation bias. For sure. For sure. Let's shift to the bubble, Dave. 22 teams. Um, I thought it would be 16. They went to 22. How much of that is the Zion influence, do you believe? I mean, clearly it's a, it's a part of it. I think the TV stuff is, is a, a bigger push on that. Um, I, I think that uh, – Right. Having Zion is great, and and there's no coincidence that they the first game back is, you know, the Pelicans versus the Jazz. But I don't want to I don't want to make the league seem like they're only doing that for marketing purposes. I I, I do think the television deal played a large role in it, but I don't know because I wasn't sitting in the room. I mean, I, just like everyone else, I know the league definitely wants Zion on television. Yes. Yeah. And, and he left the bubble now, right? That's what they're saying. Um. Yeah, he had to go home uh, to attend to a – there was a family medical emergency, and uh, it's, a, it's considered an excused absence. So I, I believe he just has to keep getting tested when, when he's out of the bubble, and then when he comes back, it's like a four-day quarantine with, with the rigorous testing. Um, so they do have a protocol for that. And clearly, you know, like, that's – it's way more important for him to deal with the family stuff. So, um, yeah. you know, hopefully, hopefully he gets to come back. And, and he's back before the games and, and the medical staff can, can be happy with where he is and he's ready to play. I just want all these guys to get through all this training and the lead up to the games injury free. And, and just, you know, it's gonna be really nice to watch basketball, man. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, uh, hopefully everything's okay with Zion. What are you looking forward to when the NBA resumes in the first week? Like I have so many, I mean, I think Houston's the most fascinating team to me personally. I also think the Blazers with Damon CJ, I think they're really going to go off. And the bubble nets will be fun too, you know? You got uh, Karis LeVert. I think he's going to average at least 25 in this kind of situation. Okay. There's no so, KD and Kyrie. There you go. All right. Finally, somebody knows what they're talking about. Because Karis <laughs> LeVert, man, I mean, he's just – he's so uh, duplicative when you've got Kyrie out there or Spencer Dinwiddie. None of those guys are going to be down there. It's going to be the Karis LeVert show. And I, I think that the nets – have to be secretly happy about that because he's a guy that they might be able to move this summer. You know, his his rookie extension kicked in. He's making like 17 million. He might be part of a piece to get them a third star or to help get, uh, you know, get players that more fit the system that they're going to have with Kyrie and KD. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And let me ask you this. If you would rank, if you had to guess, like you were making a bet, who would be, out of these three guys, the top scorers from one to three, Karis LeVert, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, where would you put them in the first eight games? Oh, that's interesting, man. I think Karis LeVert, because I, I think he's probably going to play more minutes. Right. 
my expectation is LeBron and definitely Ka- uh, Kawhi, there's going to be a ramp up with them. Uh, the other thing is they're, they've just got better players on their team. Yeah. If LeVert yeah, exactly. doesn't score, who's going to score? Exactly, exactly. When you look at, like, even in Europe, you know, it's always the leading scorers are usually from the worst teams. You know, it's always like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, Trey Young had 29 points a game. Right. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. So, I think Karras is going to get a chance to cook. So, you think Karras and, and CJ Stock will probably go up after these first eight Oh, games? yeah. I mean, I, I hope. I mean, as long as they play well, you know. Yeah. We know, we know what they are. Now let's see it on the court, and it's, it's nice because the last impression you'll have of these guys, you know, Karis LeVert might be putting up 25 a game. It's not hard. You know, we, we wrote this, uh, these Outlook series for the teams that weren't invited into the bubble. Karis LeVert's came up, name came up a lot because, you know, he's 26, which is a little older than you think when you think of Karis LeVert. You know, he's, he was an older rookie, uh, had the injury issues. But the things that he can do with the ball in his hands, I mean, that's valuable. The most valuable skill in the NBA is shot creation, and he can do that. He's not good off the ball. So when you look at his, his utility for a team that's going to have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and still has Spencer Dinwiddie, 100%. Um, you know, it's like, okay, so what can we get for him? I love it, uh, the Pistons trying to get him. I mean, Kennard for Karis LeVert, fills the need for both teams. It gives the Pistons a guy who can create his own shot, you know, hopefully run some pick and roll with Christian Wood if they re-sign him. How is Kennard catch and shoot? He's really good. Okay. He's actually – he's better he's good with both, the ball. though, right? He could create. Right. Yeah. So – and which is nice. It's kind of like Joe Harris where he can catch and attack a closeout. He can come off a side pick and roll. So you can use them in different ways – than just a spot-up guy, but he's able to do the spot-up stuff. Now, they're not going to be running him off screens and stuff, but Karis LeVert is a spot-up guy. It's not good. He's, oh, just, no. not, he's just not good. And, and then, you know, like just like, with, cutting, with, just like with the situation with Houston when Westbrook is a spot-up guy, you know, when Harden's handling. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So out of those eight teams that aren't in the bubble, who do you – is there hope for anybody outside of the Warriors, you feel, Dave? <sighs> I think Atlanta – has a couple years, obviously, to go. But when you've got the, the Trey Young chip, you know, that's, that's a huge head start. Uh, I, I'm a, I think Cam Reddish is going to wind up being pretty good. Kevin Herter yeah, is, so is going to be pretty good. They got Clint Capella, so the defense should be better. Um, I like Zach Collins a lot. I mean, 20 and 10 doesn't grow on trees, especially not at 21 years old. Um, they have a lot of promise. I think they're a couple years from making the playoffs. And, you know, three or four from being truly competitive because, you know, young teams usually just are bad. Yeah, who do you it. like, who do the you like for the them in the draft is, for, for Atlanta? I don't know. Yeah. I, I honestly haven't done that much on the draft. You know, it's That's hard what enough. everybody says. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. Nobody well, pay attention. Well, you know, I, I have draft people that I lean on, like gotcha. Sam Vecini at, that we have at The Athletic, Brian right. Schneider, Cosmos on Twitter. Um, his draft work is incredible. Uh, and then I reach out to teams and stuff. So I kind of I keep my finger on the pulse of what's happening. And I'll catch tape here and there of guys. But I've stopped trying to, you know, cover the NBA and be an expert on what's happening there and those 450 players. And then also trying to wrap my head around the 100 or so players that are, you know, prospects in every draft. It's just I, I don't know that you can do both and do it well. There certainly are people that do it. I don't know how they have any time in their day. Um, so I rely on them quite a bit. And then I see these guys once they get to the league. 
you know, I start watching them in summer league and, and I'll take the summer and I'll dig into some of their tape uh, post summer league. So um, I, I'll go back on synergy and I'll say, you know, all right, let's see what this kid did at, you know, Iowa state or whatever. And what am I expecting out of him once the season starts? And then let's see how that works in the role he's going to have on, on the given team. So I'm not so concerned myself about instant draft analysis or, or trying to predict what, what team is going to take who. Um, but there, there are a couple of guys that have intrigued me. And so I've dig, I've dug into them a little bit more. Uh, Pokashevsky, obviously watched LaMelo since, I don't know, he was like 13 years old or right. whatever it was. Um, He's always stepped up every level. I give him yeah, that. Yeah, Sadiq Bay. You know, yeah, like Bay, just yeah. random guys that, I, that I'm interested in. Um, but outside of that, man, like I, I have not much. I mean, the LaMelo ball at number one was kind of surprising to me. Um, His father called talks, it, right? Well, he did, yeah. I mean, it, they got a little bit lucky because it's kind of a down draft. Um, but when you can play make the way he can, I get it, man. Like it, it's a big swing, and, and hopefully it hits. But um, – I just lean on my, my draft guys that I trust. For sure. Back to the bubble. Actually, let's rewind all the way back to the beginning of the season. Who did you have winning it all? And obviously, things have changed so much. So has that changed going into the bubble? Nope. I'm still on the Bucks, man. I, I okay. just it, Listen, they were the best team in the league the last two years. They got beat by a, what I think was a better Toronto team in their first real playoff run. <laughs> and there's this thing where people were already saying, oh, you know, it's uh, – they choked. Oh, Bud, Bud didn't adjust. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and right down to, you know, I, people saying Fred Van Vliet got really hot and beat them, which isn't even true. Um, <laughs> they've been the best team in the league. They've got the reigning MVP. He's going to be the MVP again. He could be the defensive player of the year. They got the best defense of the league. I just can't go against them. I need to see something to tell me they're, they're not the team that we've seen all year. The biggest criticism for them is that they're schemable with the wall. Certainly. The well, they have – so they've got this interesting thing, right? Like the, the three-point defense is an issue, meaning they're going to just let you shoot. <laughs> and they're not going to let you rebound, and they're not letting you get to the basket. And so the, the trick to beat them – and, you know, I know that this is high-level basketball strategy we're talking here, but if you make your threes and – stop them from making their threes, they lose. But it's hard to do. They didn't lose that much this year. But when they did, that's what happened. So you've got to be able to make your shots and defend theirs. And I just don't know that any team in the league can do that four out of seven games. Yeah, man, it's going to be interesting. Um, what do you feel about if there's, unfortunately, an outbreak towards the end like in the finals or the conference finals, do you mm -hmm. think they'll stop it? Do you think they'll pause it and get back to it? How do you think the NBA would handle that, Dave? Well, so I, a lot of people have brought this up. I think it's extremely unlikely that we get to that point and have an That's outbreak. That's true. That's true. The outbreaks are going to happen early, right? First of all, there's more bodies floating around right now than there's going to be a month from now. Remember, every two weeks, once the games start, every two weeks we're sending a bunch of teams home. And so every two weeks, you're lowering the, the chances. You know, you're getting rid of people that could potentially test positive, potentially start an outbreak. So I don't anticipate it being an issue. If it, if it does happen, I mean, I'm assuming everyone's going into it with the same agreement that there's some sort of forfeit. Like if you have an outbreak on the Bucks, those guys have to sit. That's, that's the way it was drawn up. If you're, if you're committed to safety, that's what has to happen. Whether that means they just say, okay, 
we're going to pause for two weeks, get everyone through this, and then come back. That could be a thing. I, 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 don't, I don't know what the, the plan is. They clearly have a plan in place. You don't, you don't invest $150 million or $170 million into this comeback without, you know, plan B, C, D, E, F, and G. Right. Um, but I, I think it's unlikely. Um, let's shift to the Knicks, Dave. Do you feel oh, a no. trade? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The, the worst words in sports. Let's shift to the Knicks. Yeah. You know, do you feel a trade for Chris Paul makes sense? No. No, and not at all. I mean, listen, Chris Paul is a fantastic player. He's had an amazing career. I don't know why a team in the position the Knicks are in would make a trade to trade like trade any assets and now maybe with that contract they don't have to give up much to take on that the money but i would not give up any assets for a guy his age when your team the rest of your team is what it is it just doesn't make any sense to me now if you wanted to say hey should the sixers take a flyer on chris paul next year maybe the bucks maybe a team that's actually competing Maybe. I had Chris Paul third team all NBA this year. I thought he was fantastic. And OKC probably still wants him because of the contract, right? Well, maybe. I don't know. Like the story I heard, obviously they make they make the trade. uh, And the story I heard was that he was happy to be there. Okay. And so if they're happy with the arrangement, he you know, it's not like OKC needs any more assets. They have, you know, everyone in the league's draft picks for the next five years. Sam Presti is a wizard. So yes. I, I don't know. I think it's going to be, you know, it's all going to be about OKC and Chris Paul talking it out and seeing what each side wants to do. He's going to have a market. He's a, still a really good player. Throw that contract out the window. He's going to produce. And so I, I just, if I'm the Knicks, I wouldn't do it just because of the position that they're in. But a competitor, like a team that actually might have a final shot, I'd kick the tires on it. And if you could get them for, you know, without strapping yourself financially or giving up a bunch of assets, why not? Yeah. This, this made me, this sounds crazy, but wait, what made me realize how good Chris Paul still is was watching that all-star game with the best players in the world. Right. Playing really hard. And he just looked Mm -hmm. pretty much better than everybody else. In my opinion, like he was, he had a great year, man. Yeah. Really. I mean, he was the, one of the top two or three, crunch time players in the league this year right. Right. and then that three-headed guard lineup that okc ran with him shay and dennis yeah was i mean they were gangbusters for sure so you know clearly the guy can play i, I actually one of my pet peeves is that so much of the discourse around nba players revolves solely about their contract and yeah. not necessarily if they're good players or not i understand you want the production to money to make sense but that money is that money and you can't change it how's his production well he's still a good player okay great so if you're a team that the money doesn't matter for chris paul's a good asset for you because he can actually play basketball and that's where okc was now for the knicks though i don't think that he's he's not raising your ceiling he's raising your floor certainly but he's not going to raise your ceiling on that team Right. What do you feel about OKC? I mean, I, Dave, you said you're an eye test guy first. Um, they shoot so many shots in the mid-range area. Do you feel a team could still win like that in the modern NBA? I mean, they won. They won a yeah. lot. They defend well. I, I think that um, I don't expect them to get out of the first round of the playoffs. 
Right. But clearly they're a pretty good basketball team. Dave, you know, you have a tremendous passion in coaching. Uh, what's next for you, man? Are you going to stick with media? Are you going to get back to coaching? Are you going to involve with all your renaissance, man? Well, next podcast, we have to get into your wrestling career. We won't get that. Yeah, we, we'll talk about that next time. Um, but uh, what's next you know, for you, Dave? Uh, I'm very happy with The Athletic. Okay. Um, a, it's a, I mean, it's a great company. They've taken really good care of us through this whole thing. You know, been very transparent, treated me well. Right. Allow us to be as outspoken as we want um, uh, on on social issues. Um, give me a lot of creative freedom. So, you know, right now, I, I think I've found a way to, to do this and, and feel fulfilled by it. I mean, Mo and Seth really help with that, to be honest with you. Right. Uh, when you when you work with your friends that you actually really like, goes a long way. Uh, coaching, man, you know, I'm always looking. Um, I coached high school in Arizona when we came back to the States. And I didn't necessarily love that. I did enjoy the kids, but like high school is just, it's just not where my head is. Right. Uh, and I now I'm entering my third, about to be my third season without a job after coaching for like eight straight years. So Would the NBA be ideal for you? Uh, no, 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 no. Okay. A, first of all, uh, I don't have a last name that would get me in the door. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, like I'm not related to anybody. Right. I right. haven't done like, I mean, that would be some serious line skipping. You know, like yeah, I haven't but, checked all the boxes that most Do NBA do. teams ever con- – I mean, NBA teams do contact a lot of media members mm-hmm. about sure. whether it be draft prospects or their opinion. Does that happen mm-hmm. a lot? And could that lead to a connection? Maybe not even with you, but just in general. Yeah, I mean, certainly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, Seth, Seth was writing about basketball and using analytics, and that's kind of how he got to his position. Right, right. Um, and, I, you know, I've talked to NBA teams, but – uh, coaching doesn't interest me because I mean, the grind, the lifestyle, you know, I, I think that it's actually pretty unhealthy the way that NBA coaches live. I'm not interested in that. Um, I think much about prefer scouting. scouting is crazy, even worse. Right. Yeah. Um, I did, I did talk to a couple teams in Europe last summer. Okay. Um, about, about potentially going back over, but ultimately decided to, to stick this out. And, and even though I could have kept doing the media stuff, it was going to be a lot. Um, but we'll see. I never. I don't want to close the door on it because coaching is actually my passion. Right. I I, I like talking about basketball, but coaching is my real passion. So I'm never going to close the door. Ultimately, I think that the right move is for me to find some small European club that has too much money, and would just <laughs> let me do whatever I want. Right, I have to right. convince somebody to do it. It needs to be somewhere nice, though. You know, like yeah. maybe like Valencia. I was thinking, I was thinking Italy or Spain, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the the standing rule I have with my wife is Spain, Italy, or Croatia. Instant yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Colder places I have to think about. <laughs> Dave, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Please let the listeners know where they can find you on social media and everywhere else. Uh, it's Dave Dufour NBA everywhere. Um. And, uh, you know, all my stuff's at The Athletic. I, I'm literally on every podcast. That's, that's what I'm trying to do. I do a Crazy. lot of pods. Yeah. I yeah. actually was losing my voice last night on the last pod. Crazy, man. Crazy. Yeah. It's fun, though, man. Like, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a privilege to get paid to talk about something that you love. Most definitely. Most yeah. definitely. It, it's, it's a privilege to get paid for anything Period. you love, you know? <laughs> right, right. Not everybody has that luxury. Agreed, man. Agreed. Yeah. You know, uh, I've, I've done the, you know, 
miserable working thing before, and uh, this is way better. Dave, next time we're getting into the wrestling career, I'm telling you. I'm in. Oh. I'm in. <laughs> Dave, I'm in. you're always welcome back on the show. Talk soon. Yeah, absolutely, buddy. Thank you for tuning into Combos Court, and big shouts today for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, let me know how you feel about the show by rating and reviewing Combos Court wherever you listen to this podcast. Would greatly appreciate it, and it helps the show tremendously. Be on the lookout for episode 182. Combo out.